I'm, I'm going to time myself. Uh, last time, I think I broke a guest speaker record. Uh, went a little long, so I'm going to try to keep it, keep it much shorter today. Um, it, it's funny. Um, as your kids get older, uh, you're continually having to watch your mouth in different ways, right? Um, how, you, how you speak to them, it filters down to them. And then when you have a fourth child, a few years later, you realize the language that you've been using with your older kids, even uh, accidentally, right? This is stupid, right? The kids say, this is stupid. The two-year-old goes, stupid, right? So you are continually having to be on guard uh, with the words that we see. And so I've just been thinking about this for a while. Um, and so I, I've been reading a book called uh, Taming the Tongue by Mark Kinzer. And it's really helping me uh, kind of focus uh, what's going on in here and what I'm seeing amongst our kids and really what we see amongst uh, congregation members. Um, so this is not natural for me. You've heard me talk when I try to do transitions and I stumble all over the place. So as always, this is, this is a lot of fun. Uh, I think scripture says that uh, God is a, a sun and a shield. The guitar also works that way. Between It's a barrier between you and I. So this is a work in progress for me. But um, I want to talk about what scripture says about the words that we use. Um, scripture places a lot of importance on it, especially how we use them. Uh, the passage that uh, the, the, their initial focus is Matthew twelve thirty seven. You don't have to turn there. Actually, it'll be helpful if you turn to Genesis. That's the first like section that I'll have you read. So if you want to jump, get ahead and go to Genesis eleven. But for now, uh, Matthew twelve verse thirty seven says, "By your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned." Uh, this morning, I want to talk about three different concepts: uh, blessings, curses. And, and weapons. Oh my, as a, I had fun coming up with the title. Um, um, one, our words have power, right? God's words have immense power. He gives power to us. He gives us power to name things. And so we also have power. And then the next thing we see is, is God teaches how to bless. And there's power behind the blessings. And there's power behind the curses. And then what we do with our own words and interacting with each other can become weapons if if we're not careful with it. So uh, first, I want to talk about um, words and power. We see the power of God's word first, right? In creation, Genesis 1, uh, verse 3 says, God said, let there be light. And uh, throughout the psalmist, um, uh, Psalm 33, verse 6 says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and the breath of their mouth, all their hosts. He created everything with what came out, right? He breathed. Um, Verse 9 says, He spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. In John 1, verse 3, he says, All things came into being through him. Apart from him, nothing has come into being. Not even one thing has come into being apart from the words that he speaks that he allows to come into being. So God's word has great power. And it's awesome, right? When, when he's accomplishing his purpose, when he is... Uh, uh, giving words to instruct us to be specific, to give specific instruction to his uh, vessels. Uh, he gives words to command, uh, to warn. He gives a word to correct, and in some cases to condemn. He uses angels and judges and prophets and the Messiah to bring about his words. And then in uh, Genesis 2, uh, we see God gives power to man. Um, God had given the man the, the, the capacity to, to speak um, 
he's talking to Adam. He says, let's, let's see what Adam names these creatures. So he gives Adam the power to have dominion over these creatures by naming them. So he's giving that power and authority uh, to us. And yes, animals and, and, and what's, what's, sorry, what's unique about us is that the animal kingdom, they, they don't speak, right? We know that they communicate in other ways, uh, through sounds, noises, movements, uh, body posture. They'll scream out if, you know, danger or they're in pain. Um, but God gives man speech that we might participate in his divine nature and his authority. And um, so I want to, so that, that's a positive thing, right? We can influence people in a good way. Um, we can give um, give praise, give encouragement to others, but then there's a negative aspect. And uh, so this is the first uh, negative aspect we see of some speech in Genesis 11. So, so those of you who have already turned with me, who are going to read along with me. Now the, old, the whole earth used the same language in the same words. It came about as they journeyed east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to one another, Come. Let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone, and they used tar for mortar. They said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city, and a tower whose top will reach into heaven. And let us make for ourselves a name. Otherwise, we'll be scattered abroad over the face of the earth. So the Lord comes down to the city and the tower, which the sons of men had built. And he, the Lord says, Behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language. And this is what they began to do. And now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. That passage is often used to also you know, describe how we get so many different languages above the earth, but the focus of that passage is that we're to remind ourselves that we can be inflated by our pride, uh, by our ambition, and, and, and so then we're, we're, we're not living according to God's word. They were not living. They were supposed to be fruitful and to multiply, but they stayed together, and then they became arrogant. Um, but it was through their communication, right? We can, we can do whatever we want if we stick together. Uh, the next, uh, the biggest part of my, my section today is going to be talking about blessings and curses. Um, the power of words is illustrated um, through blessing and curses in that uh, Scripture doesn't just, uh, they don't just express like uh, happy hopes or evil wishes. Um, instead, what they do is they, they accomplish and ensure the very reward, right? If it's someone's blessing their child, they're, they're ensuring a reward or an, maybe not evil, but not as good as reward if you're... Um, if you're a bad seed, I suppose. Um, also, they should be they're typically pronounced by someone in authority, a, a father figure, a prophet, um, and and like I said, there's our curses also, but not necessarily positive pronouncements over the people. Um, those of you who are in the catechism class, uh, what's what's the Abrahamic blessing? Because that's kind of the focus of my blessing section here. Any one of you? brave enough to answer what the Abrahamic Covenant is, those of you who remember. Speak up, Danny. Yes, what was, yes it was, but what was that covenant? Yes, Adam? 
good uh, uh, family to his own a land. And uh, But the part I'm fo- focusing on this morning is that whomever you bless, I will bless, and whomever you curse, I will curse. Um, the blessing to Abraham is not just foretelling the future, but it provides protection for him and affects those who speak about him, both positively and negatively. Um, I want to jump ahead to the next part where we see the, the, um, the effectiveness of this blessing. If you would turn with me to uh, Genesis 27. Okay, so this is the story of how uh, Jacob deceives his father and steals the blessing from Esau. And at this point in the story, he's already um, Esau's already traded his birthright, so which is the stuff, right? But the, the blessing, which is is the words, the prophetic announcement over the children that that they're both waiting on. Um, and so, of course, uh, we know that um, Rachel and Jacob kind of uh, go through this elaborate. Uh, ruse to steal his father's blessing. Uh, so in verse 27, verse 1, it came about, sorry, 27, verse 1, when Isaac was old and his eyes were too dim to see, that he called his older son Esau and said to him, my son, and he said to here, here I am. Uh, work on that, kids. I like that. Kids say, come here. Here I am. Come right away. Behold, I am old and I do not know the day of the de- of my death. Now then, please take your gear, your quiver, your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. And prepare a savory dish for me such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat so that my soul may bless you before I die. Rebekah was listening while Isaac spoke to his son. So when Esau Esau went to the field to hunt for game to bring home, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Behold, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, saying, Bring me some game and prepare a savory dish for me that I may eat. And bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, listen to me as I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me two choice young goats from there, that I may prepare them a savory dish for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall bring it to your father, that he may eat, so that he may bless you before his death. Jacob answers and said, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me. Then I will be a deceiver in his sight, and I will bring upon myself a curse and not a blessing. His mother said to him, Your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go and get them for me. Uh, first of all, this is a wonderful example of excellent parenting. Each parent has chosen a favorite child. Um, so there's something important we can take from that as well. Um, so he went, let's continue, verse 14. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her eldest son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. As she put the skins of the young goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck, she also gave the savory food and the bread which she had made to her son Jacob. Then he came to his father and said, My father, he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Get up, please, sit, and eat of my game that you may bless me. Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have it so quickly, my son? He said, Because the Lord your God caused it to happen to me. Isaac said to Jacob, Please come close, that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob came close to Isaac, his father, and felt him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him, and he said, Are you really my son? 
He said, I am. So he says, bring it to me and I will eat of my son's game that I may bless you. And he brought it to him and he ate. He also brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, please come close and kiss me, my son. So he came close and kissed him. And when he smelled the smell of his garments, he blessed him and said, see, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Here's the important, the blessing you've been waiting for. And may God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and an abundance of grain and new wine. May people serve you, nations bow down to you, be master of your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be those who curse you, and blessed be those who bless you. What's this blessing here? Right? Uh, there are an agrarian culture, so it has to do with growing crops and raising cattle, so they need the dew of the earth, right? They want the fatness of the land so that their crops are fed and they grow and they're, they're blessed and they expand, right? Uh, with that becomes wealth and authority, or wealth and power. Um, but again, there's the protection again, right? Cursed be those who curse you and bless those who bless you. See, these words are spoken with power. Um, and you notice, we'll see in the next section, the words can't be withdrawn even though Jacob received the blessing under false pretense, as we'll see in the next part of the story. So let's pick up, uh, we'll skip a couple of verses, and, and we'll jump ahead to verse 35. Um, Esau's come in, and he says, uh, wait a minute, hold on, I'm jumping too far ahead there. Uh, verse 32, he comes in, Isaac, his father, said to him, Who are you? He said, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Esau trembled violently and said, Who is he then that hunted game and brought it to me? so that I ate of all of it before you came and blessed him. Yes, he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me! Even me also, my father! There's anguish in this, right? He's realized he's missed out, something on, missed out on something very important. He said, Your brother has come deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. And he said, Is he not rightfully named Jacob? For he has supplanted me. These two times he took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. And he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac replied, Behold, I have made him your master and all his relatives. I have given to him as your servants, and with grain and new wine I have sustained him. Now as for you then, what can I do, my son? Esau said, Do you have only one blessing? My father, Bless me, even me also. So he lifted up his voice and he wept. Then Isaac, Isaac is his father, answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fertility of the earth shall be your blessing, and away from the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live, and your brother you shall serve. But it shall come about when you become restless that you will break his, his yoke from your neck. So we see here that Isaac has not merely wished Jacob well, but delivers him a tangible gift that can't be taken away. Still, like he, he's, there's a way for um, Esau to come take care of himself and a way for him to shove his brother off of his neck, even though he's uh, placed him, uh, Jacob, as master over Esau. Um, this blessing over Israel continues. If you would, again, turn to the book of Numbers. Um, in the, uh, the passage that we read from Micah today, it referenced the story that we're going to talk about. Uh, it talked a little bit about um, Balak and Balaam. Um, so we're not going to read all of this. I'm going to skip over verse 22, uh, chapter 22, which is kind of, the, some, of the, the, some of the more entertaining parts of this story. Um, 
So the power blessings and curses on display in this story here. Uh, Balaam is a um, prophet for hire. Uh, there's Balak, who's the king of the Moabites. Uh, there's a talking donkey and a sword-wielding angel of the Lord. The, so the people of Israel are finishing up their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness and have just completed their, their battles with uh, King Sihon and Og. Uh, they're now about to pass by the Moabite territory, and Balak the king summons Balaam to him. So uh, in chapter 22, Balaam um, uh, urges... Uh, what happens here? I'm, I have a typo here. Sorry. He summons Balaam to him. Um, he sends emissaries, really. He says, hey... Come, uh, Balak would like you to come uh, say a curse on Israel because they are numerous in people and he's heard about what, what has just been done. So uh, he, he sends what's later referred to as princes, emissaries, sons, not clear, um, but he sends them to him. Um, also here, uh, we know he's a prophet for hire. Uh, in the chapter, it, it expresses to us that he charges people to come give a blessing on them. Um, and God, God is aware of him, and he responds to God. So um, there's no, at least the, the, the chapter doesn't tell us that uh, Balaam is very scared to hear from the Lord. But um, anyways, at the, the end of this, their interaction, God tells them not to curse. The curse is because they are blessed. And, but also not to go, to go with uh, the representatives. So Balak's representatives return. They give the bad news about uh, Balaam, that he doesn't want to come. But Balak doesn't want to take no for an answer. And this time he says he will honor him richly. Right? He already knows he's going to... He would already received a, fa- a, a, a fee for this blessing, but now he's going to double it, triple it. We don't know. He's just going to favor him richly. Which makes Balaam want to go, but God just told him not to. Right, uh, so he's not happy about it, and then um, uh, God speaks to him again and says, "Okay, you can go." But of course, God's not happy because he told him not to go, and now he's kind of forced, not forcing it eh, as a kid does. You already tell them no, and they kind of like they, they nag at you a little bit, and so you agree to let him go, right? Um, and on that journey, he comes across, uh, like I said, so God wants to punish him, so he puts an angel with a sword. In his path, and we know the, this part where uh, Balaam is riding on the donkey, and the donkey sees the angel, but Balaam does not. So the donkey keeps trying to move. He keeps trying to put him back in in the set the straight path, and eventually he crushes his foot, rams his foot up against a wall, which causes him to beat the donkey, and the donkey starts talking to him, okay, and tells him, "Hey, you idiot! Uh, there's an angel with a sword standing in front." So. Um, uh, God lets him know why he wasn't happy with him there. So let's uh, now uh, let's let's pick up in verse uh, sorry chapter twenty three, verse seven and ten. So um, Balak has things set up for Balaam. He has seven altars, and on each of the altar there's a bull and a ram. So verse twenty three, chapter chapter twenty three, uh, verse seven. Keep far from a false. I'm sorry, I'm in Exodus. Sorry about that. Give me a second here, guys. Okay. Uh, so the, the verse five, the, the the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, "Return to Balak, and you shall speak thus." 
So he returned to him, and behold, he was standing beside his burnt offering, he and all the leaders of Moab, so he can see a piece of Israel, a portion of them. He took up his discord and said, From Aram, Balak has brought me, Moab's king from the mountains of the east. Curse Jacob, come curse Jacob for me, and come denounce Israel. How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? And how can I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? And I see him from the top of the rocks, and I look at him from the hills. Behold, a people who dwells apart, and who will not be reckoned among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob, or number the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the upright, and let my end be like this. Um, Balaam said to Balaam, What have you done to me? I took you to curse my enemies. Behold, you have actually blessed them. And he says, I cannot speak without the words that God gives me. I can't curse whom God has not allowed me to curse. I can only bless whom God tells us to bless. So Balak moves Balaam again to give him a better viewpoint. This time, higher up, you can see more of the people. Let's try again. Let's set up more altars, more bulls, more lambs, and let's set up another sacrifice. Let's pick up again in verse 18. Then he took up his discourse and said, Arise, O Balak, and hear. Give ear to me, O son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. He has said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Behold, I have received a command to bless. When he is blessed, then I cannot revoke it. He has not observed misfortune in Jacob, he is not, nor has he seen trouble in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. God bring them, brings them out of Egypt, for he is for them like the horns of a wild ox, the strength. right? For there is no omen against Jacob, nor is there any divination against Israel. At the proper time, it shall be said to Jacob and to Israel what God has done. Behold, a people rises like a lioness, and like a lion it lifts itself. It will not lie down until it devours the prey and drinks the blood of the slain. Again, um, Balak's not happy with this, right? He doesn't get what he's paying for. Um, so again, Balak moves one more time, and uh, we get another blessing. So this time, uh, we're going into the next chapter, and we pick up from... Verse 24, there's a theme here, right? Whatever God tells him to speak, he cannot say otherwise. He took up his discord again and said, The oracle of Balaam, the son of Beor, and the oracle of the man whose eye is open, the oracle of him who hears the words of God, who sees the vision of the Almighty, falling down yet having his eyes uncovered. How fair are your tents, O Jacob, your dwellings, O Israel, like valleys that stretch up, like gardens beside the river, like aloes planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the waters, Strength, right? Uh, Prosperity. Water flows from his buckets, and his seed will be by many waters. And his king shall be mightier than Agag, and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brings him out of Egypt. He is for him like the horns of a wild ox. He will devour the nations who are his adversaries, and will crush their bones in pieces, and shatter them with his arrows. He couches, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion who dares rouse him. Blessed is everyone who blesses uh, who blesses you, and cursed is everyone who curses you. Um, Balak again is not happy. It actually, this time he's mad, right? He's furious with Balaam over what's transpired. Seems to uh, threaten him a little bit. Um, and then finally, uh, in verses 15 through 24, Balak is finally going to get his prophecy. Um, for those of you who are listening, those are air quotes. He gets his prophecy uh, starting, what did I say, verse 15. He says, He took up his discord and said, The oracle of Balaam, the son of Beor, and the oracle of the man whose eye is opened, the oracle of him who hears the words of God and knows the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty, falling down yet having his eyes uncovered. I see him, but not now. 
I behold him, but not near. A star shall come forth from Jacob, a scepter shall rise from Israel, and shall crush through the forehead of Moab, and tear down the sons of Sheth. Edith, Edom shall be a possession. Seir, its enemies, also will be a possession. While Israel performs valiantly, one from Jacob shall have dominion, and will destroy the remnant from the city. And he looked at Amalek, and took up his discourse, and said, Amalek was the first of the nations, but his end shall be destruction. And he looked at the Kenite, and took up his discourse, and said, Your dwelling place is enduring, and your nest is set in the cliff. Nevertheless, Cain will be consumed. How long will Asher keep you captive? Then he took up his discord and said, Alas, who can live except God has ordained it? Ships shall come from the coast of Kittim, and they shall afflict Asher and will afflict Eber. So they will also come to destruction. Then Balaam arose and departed and returned to his place, and Balak also went his way. I think we're done here, right? Um, so what's important about this story? Balaam says several times throughout the passage, I uh, skipped over those parts, but uh, several times that he can only speak the words that God has given him to speak, and he or they which God has can only bless which God has blessed or allowed to be cursed. Words of blessing in Scripture are not just expressions of wishes, but they accomplish the reward that they promise, as we see throughout Scripture, if they are pronounced by a person of authority like a prophet or father. Um, blessing is a bit of a foreign concept in our Western culture, in our uh, evangelical society that we've uh, grown up in. And um, so the practice is a little bit foreign. Now it's going to be a little more, it's a little more natural to our kids and uh, being part of the Disciple Center has been natural to us adults as we've been a part of several child dedications and baby naming ceremonies and the like. Um, but I think, if I could, before I continue with like the, the weapons part, I think it's important to look at these things. At the, the, the baby naming ceremony, um, you know, mostly it's just a, um, a welcoming into the home. But at the naming ceremony, there there is a simple blessing that we... May the Lord bless you. May you grow in grace and in knowledge. It's a simple one at the start of the birth. And then we dedicate them to the Lord, which is more about our focus on them. But at the end of that, what do we, what do, we do as a congregation? We, we sing the ironic blessing to them, right? May the Lord's uh, face shine upon you. May he give you peace. And then we do that at the end of every service. Um, I, since we are not very uh, good or we don't always think about it in advance, um, what kind of blessings we want to give our kids? It's, it's how God said, this is how you bless your people. And so when when the kids are dancing, it's it's super cute, right? We all watch them. They're dancing around. They follow. They pull each other real hard. It, it, it's fun. But let's, let's keep our focus on, let's look around the room, continue to bless one another. Right? This is how we're taught to do it. it it's, it's important. God, these words have weight and they have authority as, as we've been shown. Um... Words as weapons. Another part. Um, eventually, I'll be talking about some positive things in, in Scripture. We'll have to talk about words. Uh, blessing is awfully uh, a very positive thing. But uh, our words have weight, and how we interact with each other in a community of faith is important. Not always to each other's faces, but how we speak to each other behind each other's back is, is, is just as important because um, it, it, it could ruin relationships. Uh, but let's... Uh, if, Again, I don't want you to do this a sword drill with me. So I'm just going to read some things. So Proverbs 12, verse 18 says, There is one who speaks rashly, like the thrusts of a sword. But the tongue, 
the wise brings healing. Okay, uh, we're ma- we get mad or someone does something that we're upset, and we blurt things out to them or about them, and our words become, as the, the uh, as Solomon says, the thrust of a sword. The thrust of a sword is used in war, right? It, it hurts people, it wounds people. But the tongue of the wise person, the person who has thought about their words, is, is calm and collected. Um, the James passage that says, uh, quick to hear, right? Slow to speak. That person is wise and has healing in their words. Proverbs 25, verse 18, like a club and a sword and a sharp arrow is a man who bears false witness against his neighbor. So bearing a false witness is where you're going in front of, of a court and lying about what you saw or didn't see. Um, so again, we are to speak truthfully about about each other. Psalm 55 says, uh, talks about a treacherous person. His speech was smoother than butter, but his heart was war. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. I like that illustration, right? The um, speech is smoother than butter. Touch butter or oil, it's hard to get it off, right? That person who, um, what's the word, um, likes to flatter, right? Or a uh, you think they are uh, speaking a compliment to you, but when you're done with it, you just you don't want to be near those people, right? We should not be those kind of people. We should speak the God's truth, right? Speak the word to these people, not to condemn people. But we want to leave people uh, feeling like, hey, that was a good interaction with that person, rather than the opposite. Um, Proverbs sixteen twenty seven says, "A worthless man digs up evil." why his words are like scorching fire. A worthless man creates problems, right? He doesn't fix things. He uh, are like a scorching fire, right? Um, We are living in a very dry time of earth, right? We're in a drought in this land. Whenever something seems to catch fire, wildlife, man, are we seeing some damage, right? We don't want to be those kind of. We don't want to be that person, right? We should control what comes out of here. It's not. It's not easy. Um, reading this book, I'm, I'm trying to think about how I interact with um, fellow believers, and I like to be self-deprecating, but I'm also um, I'll kid at you if I think it's funny, and hopefully my, my, my goal is not to upset you, but I, I'm sure that may have happened before, but that, that we need to be careful about that sort of thing. Um, again, there's a seriousness how we talk to people. Um, in, in Exodus 21, 15, it says, a child who, who strikes his parents will be put to death. And then in 17, it says, the child who curses his parents will be put to death. There's equal weight, right, in, in how God sees how we treat and talk to each other. That is specifically about a, a, a kid, a child honoring his parents, but there's weight in our actions as well as, as in our words. Um, next week, um, again, I'm going to be talking about some negative speech, this kind of thing where we uh, make gossip about people or slander people. Uh, I really want you to think, I'm hoping to encourage you to think about the words you use. Uh, primarily, one, to your children, your spouse, and then to the community, those you work with. Um, some of you 
work with just a small group of people like I do. I just work with one lady. I you know, generally don't talk. I don't have anyone to talk to about her or to her. Um, but uh, just be mindful of how you are talking with people. Even if you don't like the person that you just interacted with or you're talking about that fellow colleague uh, to somebody else, just be mindful because um, it damages reputations. Um, and you don't want to be in a position where you have to apologize for what you've done or what you've said about somebody. It's it's embarrassing and uh, you know very humbling. Um, how did I do? Much better today. Uh, half an hour. I thought I was at like 45 minutes. I cut down a lot. I cut down a lot. Um, so yeah, uh, let's actually. I'm sorry. One more passage. Let's. I didn't want to read just one verse. So if you would, Matthew 20, Matthew 12, and. We'll start at verse 32 this time. And then we'll pray. I promise. I think I did that a lot last time. One more thing. One more thing. This is it. Oh, 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man speaks out of his good treasure what is good, and the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.